You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tribes by your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm your host Andrew Musgrove. I'm joined by Dom Shaw and Craig Johns. Plenty to talk about. We took a little break through the international break, but we are back. And like we say, we have plenty to talk about. We're going to start with a quick transfer window. Deadline day rounds up. I'm going to come to Craig first. Craig, just talk us through deadline day and what stood out for you. Yeah, it was an interesting day in the end. We obviously, we went in knowing Borough still needed to do uh, quite a bit. Um they wrapped up the Anel Hernandez loan from Norwich City. Um and but we we knew that they still kind of you know were a few players short. I think ideally they would have liked four new players. Or certainly Neil Warner wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have minded four new players coming in on deadline day. That the the they just had the kind of final bit of confirmation with Sporer and the complication that he had in Portugal to to wrap up. They had Saliki sorted and and, and coming in. Uh, from France, but but one would have also liked a you know kind of left back cover, and and if it, it was doable, he would have liked another centre forward as well. But um, the the obviously they managed to wrap up the Spora deal and the uh, the Saliki deal, but yeah, the the they went into deadline day. I think it's fair to say with a few options kind of uh, for left back cover because uh, as we know, Mark Bowler is the only senior left back at the club now, but. For various reasons, you know, various targets maybe didn't want to come to Borough or their clubs didn't want to let them them out. Uh, they didn't manage to get that left back cover, and and in terms of you know um, a striker, I think most likely would probably that um, that extra striker would have probably been a Premier League loan. Um, and and again, you know, there was just nothing happening on that front for them. So they brought in Sporer and Saliki, uh, twelve signings overall in the window, which uh, I think is a very good window in the in the climate for Borough. They are still short, particularly at left back. Uh, I think they can get away with what they've got in terms of forward options, uh, but but certainly that left back one is a bit of an issue. But you know, as we know, they can sign a free agent, so it it is a market they are looking at. And for you, Dom, anything that stood out in particular? I think um, the 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 Saliki signing is an interesting one because I think that that is maybe just kind of identifying a player and, and taking the opportunity to sign him rather than thinking this is an area that we that we desperately need to strengthen in. You know, you looked at, you looked at the the front third of the pitch. Um, you definitely needed one striker or forward. Um, you know, Uche Piers, who's the only senior striker with Tuba Akpom going. I know there's Josh Corburn, but obviously you can't ask too much of a of an 18-year-old kid who's only played a couple of games. Um, so we knew the Spora deal was, was going to happen. We knew that left back was 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 an area they wanted to strengthen. You probably looked, and, and midfield was the one area where you'd say that they, they looked well stocked or quite well stocked when you consider. There was Housen, Morsi before, obviously, we, he went, possibly McNair, Piero, Crooks could play deeper there, um, Tavernier can play deeper, depending on what system you're playing. So there's plenty of options. Whereas with Saliki, it's probably, you know, just 
taking the opportunity to sign a player who spent the last few years playing European football, who's clearly got a lot of pedigree. Um, as there's been a lot of interest from La Liga in the last couple of seasons. I spoke to a guy from La Keep this week and, and just found a bit found out a bit more about Saliki as a player and, and why he's left France really. Um and he said there has been a lot of interest from Spain for, but for one reason or another that didn't move. He was expected to leave in January, but didn't. Um and I think it got the point this summer where it suited club and player for Saliki to move on. Borough obviously pounced. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he offers. It, it, it kind of, you know, we talked a lot over the summer, haven't we, about the intrigue of Martin Piero, and that's absolutely the case with Sporar and and um, and Saliki as well. Both players who come with international pedigree um, from from good leagues, the top leagues in their in the countries they've been playing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they get on. And I think Hernandez on paper is a, an, an excellent signing. You know, he knows what the championships likes. One promotion twice was a major player for Norwich, especially in their first promotion under Daniel Fark. He obviously scored at the Riverside that season. Um, frustrating couple of years with injuries, but I think he's exactly what what Borough needed. And and completely agree with what Neil Warnock said in that. Hernandez probably needs Borough at this point in his career as much as Borough need Hernandez. So I, I think that might turn out to be a really, a really shrewd signing. Yeah, I was dead impressed with the fact they got Hernandez. Like you see, he has had a, a couple of injuries. He still played 19 times last season. I think it, it, it shows a good character as well. The fact that he could have stayed there up at Norwich in the Premier League, probably wouldn't have played all that often, if at all. Um, but he's, you know, he's decided to come down or come up to Borough. First team football, prove himself, probably with the aim of getting back into that squad, that first team for Norwich next season. But I think it shows a really good sign of his character to say, do you know what, I, I do need first team football and I'm going to go out and get it. I spoke to um, to, to Michael Bailey, who covers Norwich for The Athletic, and he was and, and has covered Norwich for a fair few years. He covered them for, for the local press there uh, before he moved to The Athletic. And, and he was purring about Hernandez as a character as well as about as well as as well as what he offers as a player saying you know real real character real infectious energy um obviously he's got he's got quite the backstory really moved from Cuba to Germany when he was four couldn't speak a word of the language um and it was his his stepdad who got him into football at that age and and obviously it was Christian Zieger actually who gave him his debut in Germany not the most popular figure on Teesside but um and obviously he moved over from to Norwich in 2016 and and, and has, has done really well set, settled quite quickly really um and yeah, I just I just think you know he's not he's not 32, 33 at the end of his career. You know, really he should be at his at his peak now. It's just because he's had a few frustrating injuries the last couple of seasons that he's lost his way somewhat at Norwich. So I, th- I think that could be an exciting signing. And I think from a football point of view, um, Blackburn we saw double up on Isaiah Jones. Now now you look at Borough's balance and Borough's options in the front third. If teams choose to double up on Jones, and I completely expect Jones still still to be in the team, um, despite the fact that they've obviously strengthened a lot in the in the front third. If teams double up on Jones now, you're going to pay the price elsewhere because Borough have got options across across the forward line. So you either don't double up on Jones and then he wreaks havoc on one flank, or you do double up and then let the likes of Hernandez or Tavernier or Spara kind of flourish with that with that bit of extra space. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really for the first time in a fair few years, I think Borough's forward line looks really balanced. Craig, what do you reckon on Hernandez? Are you impressed? Are you excited to see him? 
Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, for all the reasons Dom's just said, I think, you know, there's often sometimes a bit of, you know, shall we say doubt or, you know, a bit of concern when players come in on loan, you know, what is it as good as signing someone permanently? Obviously, it's always good to get players in permanently. But, you know, for all the reasons Dom discussed there, I think this deal makes a lot of sense because Hernandez does have a lot to prove and he, he does, you know, he needed Borough as much as Borough needed him. And, and he is obviously a quality operator. So, you know, if Borough can get him up to speed, can keep him fit and, uh, you know, he, he's going to be an, an excellent prospect for them. And, uh, and as Dom mentioned, you know, the attacking options there, there's now so many. And, you know, as, as he mentioned, we're doubling up on, on Isaiah Jones. If, if they start doing that, it starts creating space elsewhere in the team. And I think that for the first time, certainly since I've come at Borough, the attacking options right now look really exciting. And, and you know, they suddenly do look like there could be an attacking force. And I, I wrote a piece the other day about this and, you know, how, you know, they might have teams starting to, you know, it maybe it's maybe a dramatic word, but fear them. Um, you know, like the, and 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 send teams into retreat because they're worried about what Borough's attacking players could do to them. It'll send teams into retreat, and and that's something I don't think they had at all really last season. Mike's gone there, mate. I'll I'll jump in while that's off. Uh, we'll we'll come to you, Craig. Alex Hughes says, "Is there any free agents coming in? Does anyone know?" That's obviously something we talked about in the aftermath of the of the deadline day, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. As we I, I noted earlier, obviously, um, after the transfer window closes, you can, of course, sign still free agents. And uh, interestingly, as we record this on uh, on Thursday at lunchtime, um, the Borough squad has just gone in, hasn't it? The AFL, the AFL have just confirmed all the official squads, and and um, you can you can register up to twenty five players. But interestingly, Borough have only registered. Uh, 23 so there is a couple of spaces where there where they could bring in free agents uh it was definitely a market we were told they were going to monitor as we mentioned um you know certainly short at left back uh left left sided cover and and potentially even a striker as well so it was a market that we're going to monitor but obviously as we as we know we've kind of deadlined here departures of of sam morsey and, and jed spence there was also that need to kind of balance the books at the club um you know they, they brought in 12 players and um so any any kind of free agents that they were to look at would have to be you know viable it would have to work out for the club they're not going to bring somebody in just for the sake of bringing somebody in it's got to make sense in terms of them coming in and and actually adding something to the squad but also working financially as well um because obviously it's 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 no use uh you know getting rid of somebody like sam morsey for example um to balance your books but then bringing in a left back who ultimately doesn't add much to your team doesn't add much quality and then you know tip you tip the books in the wrong direction again in doing that it's like we almost planned it my mic was on mute there it wouldn't be an episode of tripes but with some without some mic issues um mark wetter has put a question about morsey he says great window apart from letting morsey go personally uh he says he knows Housen's been great, but he's now 33. Morsey's 29. I'd have let Housen go and make Morsey our captain to give him more responsibility on the pitch. Dom, I'll come to you. Your thoughts on Mark's point there? I mean, I, I don't think it's a case of one or the other, really. I, I certainly wouldn't have let I wouldn't have let Housen go. I, I don't think. You know, I think Warnock has talked a lot, and I, I know I'm going to um, contradict myself here, but what Warnock has talked a lot about the need for leaders. Now, he's let 
there's obviously a leader has left in Morsi. But Housen's your club captain, isn't he? There was, you know, that there was um he's he's kind of a real standard setter uh, across the across the club in both off the pitch and on it. So so you know, Housen going was never an option. Um I was surprised Morsi left. You know, it happened very quickly, didn't it, at the end of the window. And and when the when the news first broke of Ipswich's interest, I kind of thought, well, you know, they'll they'll they're and they'll they'll get told that he's going nowhere. Um, and reading Mark Ashton, who's obviously the new chief executive, which having left Bristol City, reading his quotes this week, he, he was saying that um, at the start of the summer, Paul Coker obviously knows Morsi well, managed him at Chesterfield and Wigan, and, and he identified Morsi as, as a top target. But at the start of the summer, they, they didn't expect that he'd be available. Um, and it's interesting that it was really late in the window that they learned that he was and um, obviously they managed to do that deal. Um, you know, Morsi dropping the League One, he's a championship player for me. You know, I don't think Sam Morsi should be playing in, in League One. Um, but obviously there's the Paul Cook appeal, having played for him before. You know, Ipswich um, will now bet to go up literally at the start of the season. So I haven't been too pleased to see how they've, how they've started. But, you know, Morsi will be hoping... Uh, and, and I'll, I'll hope to help turn it round for them. The, now the Saliki stuff, obviously he left and Saliki signs, you know, Burra knew that Saliki was coming in, so it might have been one in, one out. Um, and obviously there was a need to, to balance the books as well in what had been a very active and busy summer, bringing 12 players in. But it, it does beg the question as to kind of, are you, are you now lacking that bit of steel in the midfield, I think? Um, because in the game against QPR, when, when Marcy wasn't in, Borough kind of lost the way in midfield with Housen and McNair. And then the next game, um, when they played at Derby, it was obvious that Marcy was going to be back in the team. And he was. And, and Borough, you know, had that bit more steel about them. Um, and Saliki isn't that type of player, or so I'm led to believe, talking to the to guys who've watched him play, he's more of a kind of ball carrier, um, looks forward. Now, obviously, you can be a bit of both. Um but yeah, it, it, I just wonder whether A, they've left themselves short and B, it did come as a surprise and, and especially, you know, only a year after he signed from Wigan, was a key player for Warnock. Um, but I, I wish him well. He's, you know, he's come across great, hasn't he, on the pitch and off it. He's made a real effort with fans. And I, funnily enough, I spoke to um, a guy this week. Uh, I went down to watch Mask United play and I was talking to uh, to a lad I know there who's a teacher and he was saying that Morsi had actually agreed to, to, to go into the school that they'd done an appeal uh, in the school and Morsi had kind of supported that appeal and had agreed to to go in uh, and I think it was planned for the next couple of weeks and now obviously the school are, are gutted to have um, to have uh, to, to know that he's he's gone elsewhere but he I heard a few stories of that of kind of the, the bits and bobs Morsi did behind the scenes and um, kind of the engagement the interaction with fans so he, he came across as a good bloke and I wish him well at Ipswich. Yeah, I don't know a lot of what Dom says there um, on on Morsi. I think uh, you know he seemed an excellent character, kind of behind the scenes, a, a nice guy. But you know, as Dom said, it does leave you a bit concerned about that kind of stealing in the midfield. I think while Houston plays in that deep lying role, I don't think he's he's the kind of tenacious midfielder that that Morsi is. Morsi obviously gives you you that bite in midfield, and, and I do worry particularly as it does look like it's kind of one out, one in with, with Saliki. That, that they have left themselves short in, in, in that sense, because as Dom says, it, it doesn't seem like Saliki is that type of midfielder. But but it is interesting thinking back to the, the Blackburn game and obviously 
Borough kind of went three five two in that game, and they went with Housey and Morse, Housen and Morsey in the middle. Um, now in pre-season, Housen was out injured at this point, so it was actually Morsey playing the role. But they did kind of Warnock experimented with three five two, but with just one of those midfielders deep lying and protecting the defence, and he wanted the second midfielder to push forward a lot more. I remember in particular the Plymouth game because in in Devon they were obviously Plymouth were the toughest opponents. Matt Crooks played that second midfield role and it was his first uh, appearance for the club after signing and and I remember a lot early on Warnock shouting on to Crooks and, and asking him uh, to get more advanced to get further forward because he wanted Morsi to be left isolated in the midfield he wanted to see how Borough cope with that so I do wonder if if selling Morsi um, you know we know it's a kind of he did an, an interesting interview this week where he spoke about perhaps being a victim of Borough's new direction which I think is 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 probably a fair comment from him in terms of you know Saliki represents this this new direction which we should definitely mention when talking about Borough's transfer window you know they are now looking at this kind of you know if you like this, these hidden gems and and these players who they're now hoping to bring in who might be younger and and have potential sell-on value we saw it with Mark Pierre or we saw it with Sparrow and then Saliki too um and you do wonder, you know, basically because they signed these 12, they had to balance the books. In the final days of the window, they ultimately, you know, touted out a few of the first-team players uh, because they needed to balance the books. And it just so happened that Morsi was one of the players who who there was interest in and who they could go out, which was ultimately one of the reasons why he has ultimately gone. Um, but, yeah, I do wonder if... if you know, that transfer, the Sparrow one, the Saliti one, does lead to a bit of a change in the kind of um, dynamics of Borough's midfield and, and whether we will see more of that 3-5-2 with kind of only house and protecting the back three or five and, and Saliti or a Piero or a Crooks asked to play the second midfield role and, and kind of look more advanced and forward. Over on Gazette Live, we've got an article from Dom about the answers we'll soon find out about Warnock's side in the coming weeks. And one of the things you've mentioned, Dom, is about the shape. Craig's discussed it a little bit there, one potential option. Um, what other options does Warnock have? And do you see them being a, more, a team that presses more given the uh, the incomings this window? Craig mentioned, obviously, playing playing kind of three centre-halves there and wing-backs. Um, for me, we're, Borough are more suited now to, to, to a flat-back four simply because they've got so many wide attacking options and I think you risk not getting the best out of those players if you play with wing backs now Jones obviously did a very good job against Blackburn in that role but you could I think you know there's only certain teams you can play Jones in a, in a role like that can't you and have him kind of thinking forward rather than being conscious of what's going on behind um I, you know I, I look at Borough now and I think you, you, you're made for a Back four and four three three four two three one. Um, you know Jones, Hernandez, Tavernier, what more? So many options. Uh, Olasanya, so many options. Spora all playing off off Ipiezu, and you've got plenty of options for that kind of midfield. Uh, the, the two kind of midfield protectors as well. And, you know, I, I look at the amount of forward options they've got now, and it does beg the question as to kind of what you do with Matt Crooks. But then you look back in the summer when Crooks signed and Paul Warren was saying then that he can he can absolutely play as an eight as well as a ten. Um, I mean, he's played as a nine as well for Borough this season, hasn't he? And I, I do think now, given the amount of options Borough have got in those kind of forward areas, the chances are we're going to see Crooks play that little deeper. But 
you know, that's what we have been crying out for, really, in recent years. A midfielder with, with the kind of instinct to look forward, to, to make the late runs into the box with an eye for goal. I, I fully expect Crooks to get 10 goals this season. When you think last season, Borough's top scorer uh, did what more end with nine. Um, so, yeah, so, so, you know, you would fully expect, given the start they've made, for Crooks to certainly be, be within range of that. Um, but that, that's the shape. I, I, you know, I just think they've got the options now. To, to have forward players playing off Iqpiezu with a flat-back four, with Bowler and Dyke Steele as your full-backs. Before we mention Jed Spence heading to Forest, I just want to ask uh, you guys what happened with Van Bergen. The last podcast we had, it looked like that deal was going to go through, that the uh, the winger was going to arrive at Borough. He ended up going over to France. Craig, um, well, what happened with that? Was it just a case of the player had the choice and he chose to head over to France? Yeah, pretty much. Um, everything was was agreed between Borough and Hiranveen where he was going to be arriving from. But you know, ultimately, was it is it Stadrenier where he went? I can't remember now. But um, he uh, ultimately they came in last moment, and uh, he had the choice between Borough and um, and, and and them in in France's uh, top flight, and and he ultimately chose to go there. I think there was uh, those those pictures. Was it his first game, or certainly one of his early appearances for them? He was he was playing PSG, and he tried to get um, Messi's shirt, didn't he? And I think Messi turned him down. But uh, you know, it kind of just highlights or emphasizes the pull of of, of going to kind of uh, Liga on and, and and playing there. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there were. It was a shame for Borough that they missed out on him. They'll have done a lot of work kind of scouting wise but uh but ultimately you know that's that's what happened somebody came in and and he chose there instead i was going to say you know if someone had said to us when we did that last pod that within three or four days van bergen will be getting turned down for a shirt swap with messi you'd have been thinking what what's <laughs> what's going on here no he's coming he's coming to butter that's not right <laughs> um jed spence then chaps off the forest i know we have spoken previously about spence and about how he's got the potential and it's 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 kind of in the balance which way it goes off the forest first team football i suppose that's just crucial for him to continue pressing on and, and developing in his career yeah it's a it's a it's a difficult one with spence isn't it in that you know, a couple of years ago, you know, all year for the last year there's been there's been Premier League links, hasn't there? Now, you know, look reading between the lines now, you wonder whether that's come from from Spencer's side, whether that's his agent potentially trying to drive up interest, given that there was no given that, you know, he's ended up in the in the championship with Forrest. Southampton were linked late on, but the word definitively very quickly from Southampton was that there was, there's, you know, there was no interest. He wasn't going there. Leicester were repeatedly linked. Wolves were linked. Everton were linked. We've had the conversation again and again, haven't we? What Warnock said last year, he could end up in the Premier League. He could end up in in non-league. And I think, you know, for, for those of us who've, who've kind of seen what Spence is capable of, it's infuriating to see a player who doesn't kick on. But then again, you know, as, as coaches, as managers, as, as those around him, you can only do so much, can't you? And ultimately, at, at some point, it's going to come down to the player. And you don't have to do much reading between the lines on what's been said over the last year to see that it's clear. I mean, Warnock said it, hasn't he, in black and white. It, it's it's over to Jed now. Um, now, Craig, you'll, you'll be better uh, qualified to speak about this than me, given that you've twice spoken to Warnock about this this season. But... The the, the the kind of suggestion early in the season was that the penny might have dropped, but then 
a couple of weeks later, that maybe wasn't the case. And then Spencer's loses his loses his place in the team again. Um, and when you consider that um, Daniel Fisher's out for what looks to be a long period, <clears throat> Borough aren't aren't you know incredibly well stocked at right back on the right side. So really, the fact that they've chosen to allow Spence to go is is quite telling, really. I think. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, ultimately it was kind of another one of these, um, you know, balance of the book things. He was another player who was kind of touted out and and the interest came. So it was a, it was an opportunity to kind of get what I presume would be the majority, if not all of his wages off the books for the for the season. And and it also makes sense for Burr in terms of, you know, he can go out and hopefully play a lot of games at Forest and, and you know, let's see what comes of that. Either, you know, he might have a good season at Forest and either he can return to Borough a better player, a, a more all-rounded player who Burrow can then benefit from, or they can maybe sell on at a decent price because of his impressive season at Forest. Um, or, or ultimately, you know, he, he doesn't do well at Forest, and uh, and you know, and then there's a decision on the hands with what you do with him because he, he ultimately hasn't hasn't provided the goods there either. But yeah, as, as Dom says, uh, I asked Warnock about him after the Bristol City game. He obviously he looked well in pre-season. I thought obviously last season, he, as the season went on, it just got worse and worse for Spence. And you know, in the end, he was almost in the team because he had to be with depleted numbers. And but he kept consistently con- uh, costing the team goals. Um, yeah, people. There was talk of like, are we being too harsh on Jed Spence? But I, I think you know, yes, he's still a young boy. I think he's is he twenty two now? Maybe twenty. He was twenty one at the time, I believe. And uh, yes, he's still young, but. You're taught at a very young age to to you know stick to your man, mark your man, don't let your man go. And he did it about three or four times towards the end of last season, where his man would run off him and he wouldn't follow his man, and 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 the team would score. It would be his man scoring, um, you know, t- a few times at the end of last season. And, you know, in in any team that's unforgivable, but in a Neil Warnock team in in particular, Neil Warnock's not going to stand for for that kind of uh, you know defensive um, defensive work and. So his future did look bleak, really, at the end of last season, and then all of a sudden, pre-season, he kind of returned, and yeah, he looked, he looked, he did look different in pre-season. He looked to be enjoying his football. I've mentioned it before. He he did he he looked like he was really enjoying his football, really enjoying the training that we saw down in Devon, and in that final game in Devon against Plymouth, he did that kind of Rabona cross, which. Um, you know, look fancy and 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 just had all the hallmarks of a player whose confidence was coming back again. And then, of course, he started the season. He made an impact from the bench at Fulham, and that that game against Bristol City. I, after I I asked Warnock about him after he was really good in that game as well, playing as a um, I think he played as a winger that day, didn't he? And uh, and and that's why I asked Warnock. You know, is is something different with Spencer's and and Warnock had kind of said, listen, we had a, we had a chat, um, and and things do seem to have changed with Jed. Uh, he he mentioned that he'd been in training. He was first in training and last out, and you know those were the kind of things that kind of attitude, if you like, off the pitch that did need a bit of a change with Spence. And and the signs were good, but Warnock did say that he was reserving judgment. Uh, you know, he, he'd done it for a week, but let's do it, you know, consistently for a long period before we start seeing he's completely turned the corner. And and unfortunately, what followed that Bristol City game um, was the QPR game where, you know, those feelings that, that Spence was once again susceptible for, for two of QPR's three goals that night. And I think ultimately that just... Uh, that kind of swayed it, if you like, to Spence becoming a player that ultimately Warnock was, was happy to allow to leave. 
Well, fingers crossed he hits the ground running and maybe can few, uh, prove a few people wrong. Before I just get you to sum up your thoughts on the squad, now the window is closed. A few questions from our viewers and listeners. We'll go here with Stephen Cramphorn, first of all. And he asks you both, with the new signings, who can you see playing across midfield if you had to pick? So I'll come to you first, Dom, and then Craig, you jump in after Dom's given his view. I think if you're playing a 4-2-3-1, which I, which I said, um, then uh, Housen and Crooks would be, would be your two for me. Craig? Yeah, I think, again, it, it depends on, on how you go kind of formation-wise because I think, you know, well, Dom's absolutely right, 4-2-3-1 probably suits the attacking options Borough now have. But, you know, there'll be various games like, I know we're going to come on to it, but, you know, Saturday at Coventry, they play three, I think it's 3-4-2-1 or 3-4-1-2. Um, and, and it wouldn't be a surprise to see Borough match that. I think one thing one at once is that kind of flexibility and fluidity where Borough will change depending on who they're playing against. So um, I realise that's a very political answer rather than just answering the question. But I think you've got to go with, with Housen in there. Um, I agree with Dom if it's 4-2-3-1. Crooks probably looks your best bet to play alongside him. Although then you're probably leaving Paddy McNair out of the defence. So does he come into the midfield? But, you know, the two of them didn't look too good in the in the second half at QBR. Um, with that, with that five, uh, three, five, two that I spoke about, I'm, I'm quite interested to see how soon is that lone deep player, how he does in that role. And then I think either one of Saliki or Piero, obviously both will probably need a bit of time to settle into English football. But I think either one of those two players could be interesting as the the kind of more advanced central midfield option, the player who who from deeper positions looks to advance you forward. I think either Saliki or Piero would, uh, would look good in that position. Yeah, just to jump in, that was kind of based on what we've seen so far. I think the interesting thing is going to be kind of how Saliki and Sparar settle. Um, we, we know from Piero that it, it's not, you know, you don't settle overnight, but I think for Saliki coming from a European league, uh, it's going to be easier. And his interview this week was great, you know, talking about how uh, he's always been fascinated by the English game, the passion of the English game and how he's not afraid of the championship and and, and how he relishes the challenge. I thought that was, a, that was a kind of really, really enjoyable and entertaining interview. It was a great interview. I do wonder if he's already started a, um, a season on uh, Football Manager with Borough. Um, yeah, I'd seen that. He was playing footy manager. Yeah. yeah. yeah we'll have to ask him. If we, if he's put up for press, we'll have to ask him who he leaves out in the midfield. And is Paddy, <laughs> is Paddy McNair a centre-half or a centre-midfielder? Um, Simon Reynolds <laughs> asks, um, well, he makes the point, in his opinion, about the central midfield, and he says we have one of the best in the club, but he's on loan at another club, and that is Lewis Wing. So, what's your thoughts on on that point? I, I you know, I like Wing. I, I always have liked Wing. Um, but I, I think it was clear that he, you know he, he wasn't, he didn't feature in Warnock's plans. Um, and you know, he, he's kind of you know, even two or three years ago, he wasn't a kid, but I guess he was in professional terms, given that he come from. The Northern League, and he was kind of such a such a novice in in, in championship terms. Um, but now he's at the age, isn't he? He's at the stage where I think he not just needs to be playing, but needs to be a key player, as he was at Rotherham, despite the fact they went down and he impressed there, and and as he is at Sheffield Wednesday. And um, you know, he made it clear, didn't he, in that interview he'd done with 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 uh, our sister site Yorkshire Live, when he he said then. Um, 
although he signed the extension of Borough, you know, it was absolutely clear that he's open to a, to a permanent move in the summer. So, uh, yeah, I like Wayne, but, but I think it suited all parties, really, for him to, to move on. Craig, anything to add on on Wing? No, I think I think you know Dom's right. Really, I think it, it the, when the loan came, it was actually a bit of a, a shock because they were they were down in Devon, of course, and I know they were playing non-league opposition, but they were all playing against that same opposition. And I thought in the first two games, uh, Wing was probably Borough's best player in both of them, uh, and then of course he missed the Plymouth one with an injury, and and then next thing he's he's heading out to Sheffield Wednesday on loan. I think like Dom says, I think ultimately. Um, you know, he probably didn't feel like he had that trust and, and love from Neil Warnock and, and he probably wants that and needs that. And I think, uh, you know, ultimately Borough wanted to and I think probably did, um, you know, strengthen in, in those positions in this window. I would imagine they look at both Saliki and Piero as, as upgrades on, on Lewis Wing. Of course, uh, time will tell on that front whether that proves correct. The questions are rolling in, so we do appreciate them. So anyone else watching that wants to get them, get their question in, keep uh, popping them into the comments and we'll get through them. We've got one here from James Bell and he says, is it worth trying to get another striker in on a free deal um, as backup? Our problem for years has been very few goals. I don't know who wants to jump in there, Dom, first. I think it's certainly something, you know, a market borough will be monitoring, you know, to just to just to... Uh, re-emphasise a point Craig made earlier in the pod where you, Borough aren't going to be signing free agents for the sake of it, you know, just because I, I guess like your, your recruitment policies and your recru- your approach to recruitment and the type of player you're bringing in, you can't go out of the window just because they're a free agent. They still need to fit as players and as people. Um, and it's clear, you know, you only have to look at the signings they've made and the direction Borough are taking that, that the, you know, there's a, there's a bigger picture there's bigger picture thinking going on and, and they are kind of um, changing the way they're approaching the window. So just because kind of a name might be available on a free um, doesn't mean they're going to jump. I think the other thing, and it's slightly different given we're coming out of the pandemic and it's been such a difficult time for, for players and clubs, but you know, a lot of players are free agents for a reason, aren't they? Especially at this stage, once the season's underway. Now for some, unfortunate players like Duncan Watmore last season, it's because, you know, I guess them probably unfairly in a lot of cases, they might um, get a reputation of being injury prone or whatever, when in actual fact, you know, if you can kind of spot a gem like Borough did with Watmore and, and, and took the chance on him and obviously they've been rewarded there. So so I think it's a market will be monitoring closely. And, and if, if, if a deal works, if a player works and if he fits, then I, I absolutely would expect Borough would look to would look to, to bring someone in, um, but not not for the sake of it. Only if it does work. Only if it fits. Yeah, I mean, to add to that, I kind of I, I did a piece after the transfer window looking at kind of who were the best free agents available, and I, I think you'd probably see it that the two best um, strikers still available that Borough could sign would be Daniel Sturridge and, and Andy Carroll, who um, you know they both have have had those injury troubles in the past and and I would imagine both you know would would want a considerable wage uh, and and neither are really deals I could see Borough going down to be honest I think a much bigger priority is left back cover if they could find somebody a free agent for that and I think there are some you know decent enough options 
in the free agent market for that. I would imagine that a, that's a higher priority than the striker. Uh, remember, we've got um, Kieran Scott arriving at some point this month from Norwich as the, uh, the new head of, of football operations, I think is his official title. He's going to play a, a big role in kind of, you know, the transfer policy going forward, this new direction Borough are going in. I think with that in mind, and one thing I've been told about Kieran Scott is what particularly impressed Borough about him was his extensive knowledge of players from all across the world. You know, if you if you asked him about a player, you know, in, in Romania, for example, he'll know that player and he'll have a lot of information on that player. But he'll also have a lot of information on some young player in the Scottish second tier, for example. Apparently, he has a huge like database of players who he knows and, you know, he'll know when they're available, if they're available, blah, blah, blah. So I think... You know, looking at that and considering that, Borough have probably got enough in the striker department to get you to at least January with Ikpiazu, Spora, at a push, Crooks and Watmark and both fill in there as well. You get through to January and then perhaps um, Kieran Scott can, can maybe find your agenda, you know, and I think that would be more in keeping with this new direction that Borough want to go in. There's a lot of excitement about Kieran Scott, so we'll, I'll ask you a both question him in just a moment. We'll just finish on the squad with this from John McManus. And he says he's genuinely excited with the new signings. Which one do you think will make the biggest difference to the team and why? So I'll come to you first, Craig, on that one. Uh, for me, I think Ikpiazu. Um, I think last season, Burrow were crying out for that kind of focal point up top there. Um, and I think he's already shown that in his performances for Burrow. Um, you know, it's not, it's not just... Um, you know, his contribution on the ball, but it's what he does off the ball as well, the way he hassles and hustles with defenders, the effort and work he puts in. I think I wouldn't be wrong in saying that most Borough fans who've watched him in a Borough shirt uh, so far have been more impressed with him in those few games than, you know, the the were for certainly the last two seasons, but probably at all with the likes of Britta Sombolonga in, in, in recent years. Um, I think he's made a huge difference to the team and, and the way Neil Warnock ultimately wants Borough to play so for me on that one, Ipiazu. Yeah, I, I, I think Ipiazu as well. You know, I agree with that. I think he's the player Borough uh, were crying out for. He might not be, you know, the headline signing, but um, I think he was the type of player Borough were crying out for. And, and I think he started brilliantly. On the, I'll go, I'll go on the late signings because I guess they're the players we haven't seen yet. Um, and I think Hernandez. I think you know, it, with with that kind of championship experience already. Um, it, it adds a bit more balance, you know, as another real natural wide man. I know Alessandra is, is 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 a natural winger as well, but you know he's obviously you know, a bit more patience is required there. But Hernandez has, you know, impressed Sean at this level before. Um, and watching his interview with the club and and kind of you know talking to people about him, those who've kind of followed him and who know him from his time at Norwich. Um, I just think his hunger and desire is the type of player you want to bring in on loan. You know, it, I don't think this is a, a just a, a quick fix and, you know, somewhere for him to, to play for a few months. As Warnock said, and as I alluded to earlier, I think for him, this is just as important as it is Borough. So, I, you know, I, th- I think he could make could make a real difference as well. Just to finish off then with the squad, I'll come to Craig first. Give me a mark out of 10, Craig, and a, and a summing up in a sentence or so about the, the summer window. Uh, I'd, I'd go with eight out of ten, um, and and in a sentence, I think uh, a pragmatic window, an exciting new direction, but just lacking that left back cover. 
What about you, Dom? Yeah, I'll go eight. I'm glad you went to Craig there, by the way, and put him on the spot um, first. I'll go. I'll go eight out of ten as well. Um, but possibly, you know, if you know, if if God forbid, if Piazza was to get injured, then that type of player, um, that type of centre forward, you, you obviously you're lacking, um, and obviously lack of cover at left back is an issue. But hopefully, that's something that that will be addressed in the free agent market. But on the whole, I, I think it's the most balanced Borough squad we've we've seen in years. Brilliant stuff. Are uh, you guys watching and listening? And you let us know your thoughts. What you mark the transfer window out of 10, please do let us know in the comments over on Twitter or Facebook. Let's talk about Coventry then this weekend. They've not started the season too badly. Nine points, you know, probably above expectation. What do we expect from Coventry? And I suppose the bigger question, Craig, is what do we expect from Middlesbrough? Who do we expect to start? You know, it seems like Warnock's team still just getting together. Still, He's still trying to piece his, his first 11 to the way he wants it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. As you see it, um, Coventry have had a decent start the season and certainly, you know, the return at the Eureka Arena for the first time in a couple of seasons, having needed a ground share with Birmingham and they've, and they've won two out of two there so far this season. So clearly that's, uh, you know, that good feeling, I, I presume, around the club and the fans seems to be there with that. Um, it has been a really good start for them and um, they do look a, a well-organised outfit, you know, solid at the back, Mark Robbins has always wanted them to be that. Uh, I alluded to it earlier, they tend to play like a 3-4-1-2 or 3-4-2-1. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Burham match that on Saturday, particularly, um, you know, particularly given um, how good they were against Blackburn in that formation and the fact that, you know, we, we're uncertain on Mark Bowler um, for Saturday. He, he picked up that injury, a tough tackle at the end of the Blackburn game. And certainly last week when the club put out an injury video, a uh, training video, sorry, Bowler wasn't um, in that. You couldn't see Bowler in, in any of the games. So obviously want to ask Warnock on Friday morning ahead of the game. But uh, Bowler's uh, selection is uncertain. And, and without Bowler, I think Borough don't have a natural player to play left back in a back four, which would make me think that they're probably better off going with a back uh, five or back three. And as I say, matching up uh, Coventry too, because um, because Coventry do play that three, four, one, two, and and they rely heavily on the wing backs. Uh, Dabo, particularly on that right hand side, likes to get forward. Uh, he likes to make things happen. So, um, particularly challenges for for Burrett, uh, to think of and be aware of for Saturday. One thing I did note looking at Coventry is they give away a lot of fouls. Uh, no side has committed more fouls so far this season than Coventry. Obviously, we know Borough have excellent set piece takers. They do have good height as well. Uh, now, scoring from attacking set pieces has not always been Borough's, um, you know, most, you know, effective. Um, you know, where shall we say? But they have the players now with the likes of Fry and Hall coming from the back and Ikpiazu now up top. Crooks is a big lad as well. So I do wonder if they could maybe capitalise on that, get at Coventry, uh, force them into a few of the, few more of those fouls and, and look to ex exploit them uh, from set pieces. Just talking about Middlesbrough start the season, Dom, it's been a bit inconsistent. Three draws, one win, one defeat. This is a game, though, that you would assume were our favourites, or would that be wrong to say so? I think, I think on paper, I, I mean, I, for me, um, Mark Robbins, the job he's done at Coventry's 
fantastic. And I'm, I'm surprised he, he, he isn't linked with more jobs elsewhere. You know, I'll be honest, last year when they came up, I thought I, I, I tipped them to go back down. I remember when Borough beat Coventry earlier in the season at the Riverside and Robbins then was talking about his players need to believe that they belong in the championship level. But, well, he's, that message has now clearly hit home because they, they stayed up comfortably last year, really. And I made the mistake again, I think, in the pre-season predictions of saying they're going to go down again. And I think I'm going to be made to look daft there because at the minute, you know, even, even I don't mean to sound disrespectful here, but given what they've gone through, over the last few years, you know, mid-table for Coventry this year would be another huge step forward. But being back at their stadium, um, which I don't think is called the Rico Arena anymore, it's Coventry Building Society Arena or whatever it is these days, um, you know, fantastic for him, huge boost. Imagine imagine Borough having to play down the road at the stadium. It'd be sound for Craig if it was at the stadium alike, but for, it'd be, you know, you don't want to be playing out your out your city, do you? You know, playing out of home. So, so for them to get through that period... And, and succeed on the pitch to win promotion and then to stay in the championship um, is fantastic. All that said, yeah, I think Borough are favourites going into Saturday's game and, and you would identify it as a game you want to win. I, I, don't, I don't think a draw would be a bad result on, on Saturday. I think then you've got to build on it then, you know, looking at the start Forest have made. Again, on paper at the start of the season, you'd have looked at that as a difficult game, but... I don't know who Forrest are playing at the weekend, but that might well be toxic next Wednesday, mightn't it? By the time by the time Borough go there, if they haven't got a result yet. Um, so, so I think if you can get a draw at Coventry and beat for and beat Forest, you then play Blackpool at home and think this is a chance to kick on now. Craig did that bit earlier this week on um, kind of assessing Borough's September, and I completely agree with him. It, it's an appealing month, really. It's a chance for Borough to really kind of. To, to, to get a grip and to kickstart the season because although the opening month hasn't been brilliant, I think when you consider the injuries to key players like Tavernier and what more and the fact that, that the transfer business wasn't concluded until the final days of the window, I think it's been a sound start. You know, I think I think it's been a fine start and, and it can be a springboard if you if you take advantage of these games to come. Yeah, Craig, how important is this month to, to Boaz season? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think uh, definitely it's a big month. Um, you know, we, we know from last season that w- one thing Warnock likes to do is kind of keep within touch and distance. And obviously, as Don mentions, given the, you know, given the injuries, given the kind of little gaps that there still were in the squad before the transfer window closed, to, to, to achieve what they did in the first month, I think ultimately with the odd disappointing day, um, it was a decent enough start the season, but now it's about getting points on the board. We know the squad that they've got. Uh, Warnock will know that heading to January. This is what he's got to work with. There are players who still need a bit of bedding in time, but this month looks an ideal month to do it. Uh, you know, As Don mentioned, Coventry is probably your toughest game on paper, but Burr did the double over Coventry uh, last season. So, you know, if you can go down there, and get a positive result your next four games are against as things stand the bottom four in the championship so you know go you go and attack those games you go and get and and it could be you know ideal games to kind of you know give martin piero for example a few more minutes and get him more up to speed with english football uh, so i think it could be a really really important month for borough not just in terms of getting those points on the board but kind of getting you know some football into, into those types of players sporo we know hasn't played much competitive football this season so it could be a month to give him plenty of uh, minutes and get him up to speed um 
Yeah, I mean, I think going back to what Dom said, I'm pretty sure Nottingham Forest play a Cardiff at the weekend, which uh, is certainly not a game you want to play when you're in the kind of uh, your situation there. And I think they've got a few injuries themselves as well. And, and of course, Spence won't be available for the Borough game uh, coming after that. So as Dom says, that could be toxic down there on, on Wednesday night. And um yeah, it's a, it's a good month. The, the one uncertainty, I mean, at the start of the season, you would have looked at Sheffield United and, and expected that to be a difficult opponent. As it stands, they haven't won yet. They've had a terrible start of the season, but they've got four games, five if you include the cup, between now and then. So, you know, by the time Borough plays Sheffield United, are they, have they going to have turned the corner or are they going to still be in dire straits? That's one. But as it stands at the minute, September's a really good month for Borough. So just before I get your score predictions then for this weekend, Craig, you'll be heading down to that game, Coventry game. Where are you going to stop for your service stop? Because we all know our listeners and viewers love this conversation. So keep it brief. I don't want a rambling story like the last time. Well, well, can I just put in here? Um, last week when when um, we were doing, um, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend I work for the BBC and we can't name other podcasts. But when we chipped in uh, for for a guest appearance on the Borough Breakdown Pod, it was on a Thursday night, I think it was, and Craig was on a day off. And, and he messaged us a couple of hours before and said, yeah, I'm sound to stop, but I'm on a day out today. So I might be at a service station. Even on his days off, he's spending his time in service station. <laughs> anyway, he was home. So unfortunately, we didn't get the back the backdrop of uh, of Weatherby's Greg's or the Cornish Pasty Company. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think for Saturday, I think um, I'm probably looking around. Um, I don't. I've probably mentioned it a few times, but I go to Download Festival when it's on every year, and um, that's that's kind of East Midlands, and uh, it's a it's a spiritual stop for us to go to Woodall Services just outside of Sheffield on the way down there. So, so I'll probably head to Woodall on Saturday as well. They've got a good Costa there, I think. If I remember correctly, haven't they? So there we go. Right, give me your just, score predictions then, Jen. Just to make it a match day experience, I might go to Gisborough Services and get myself a subway on Saturday dinner time. <laughs> so it feels like I'm part of it still. Who's going to give this first score prediction then? Um, I'll I'll go 2-1 Borough. Scrappy game, tough one, but Borough will come out with a 2-1 win. I'll go one-one. I think. I think you know Coventry have started well, and and the boost of them being back home at the Coventry Building Society Arena has obviously um, been huge for them. I think it'd be a good point for Borough if they, if they got a draw. So I think one-one. Well, there we have it. Hopefully, Borough can pick up all three points against Coventry. Head over to Gazette Live to follow the game. Head over to uh, the Gazette Live sport page to keep it with all the latest Millsborough FC news, including Warnock's press conference, which is tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, guys. Yeah. So you'll have all the updates from the manager on Friday morning. In the meantime, uh, please remember to like and subscribe and enjoy your Thursday afternoon.